Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. It is January 16th and it's myself, host Samuel Kulla, and I also have Wajahat here. How are you doing, sir? All good, all good. Good to be back. Good to see you as well, too. Uh, today we have on Grant and Jedi from Blockmates who are here to teach us how to LARP in crypto. Welcome, guys. Good to have you back. Thank you very much. Thanks. I, I don't know who you. in their right right mind would invite me and Jerry on at the same time, but yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about LARPing a little bit later in the show. Uh, we're also going to talk about Tapioca Dow today, which you guys have recently uh, written a bull case for. Uh, but first, we wanted to talk about the Bitcoin markets because it's been a bit of a... Uh, a it was. It was by the rumor, sell the news, right? In this whole situation. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the reason for this, I think that people have kind of globbed onto now is that there's an incredible institutional overhang of like just thousands of funds that took this this widowmaker trade, if you want to call it that, and were in the grayscale BTC arbitrage trade, which I, I know has been probably I, you may you may have heard of it, may not have. But uh, it's the reason that Bitcoin went to 60,000. And it's the reason that it also uh, went from 60,000 back down to uh, down to like the 20s as well, too. So it's we, we had this great post by uh, David Choi uh, come out on last week, I believe it was Friday. And he talks about how he lost like 700,000 in a single trade. And he was pretty lucky, right? Uh, he talks about it as the Widowmaker trade. And uh, I think the um, oh, I, I gotta find the rest of the thing here. It doesn't it doesn't link out, but uh, the the trade actually was pretty simple. So for a long time, uh, the uh, GT, GBTC was trading above uh, like NAV, right, at quite a premium as well too. Um, here's the here's the chart. So for a long time before 2021, when everything blew up, uh, GBTC was trading like somewhere like between. I don't know, like 20 to 50 to 150% above NAV. And it was just this, this great arbitrage that you could come in and, uh, and take. And the way that it worked is that you would come in buy BTC and then uh, you would go and you would have to hold it for what, like six months, uh, 12 months. And then after the 12 months, you would get the, the shares and you could sell it back into the market. Uh, and then you could repeat the trade and people were making like incredible amounts of money on this position uh and it blew up everyone as well too and so he was in this trade along with everybody else jump jane drw uh gbtc was worth like every btc with was worth like 1.3 bitcoins and the eth trade was even crazier as well too so like the the eth premiums got up to like 800 <laughs> percent, which is just nuts uh, so you put in like w w like one ETH was worth like eight ETH at the time. Uh, just incredible. And so you put money into this trade. You're making decent returns. Some people are taking out leverage and making like 15 to 20 X after one year. Uh, and so everybody just piled into this. It became like the go-to trade. And so he talks about it here. So you have like $1 million in cash. You deposit that cash and borrow $3 million in BTC from BlockFi. And then you deposit that BTC into Grayscale. And then you wait six months and then you have... A profit because there's still the premium and you can sell it in. Uh, it's cash cow, 
he says. <laughs> uh, but you know, you're you're paying some interest, you know, maybe five percent interest at the time. I think the rates are pretty low, uh, and everything was great. So then, you know, uh, something happened, right? <laughs> uh, the premium became a discount. So before, when you were making a thirty percent premium, now you're making a negative thirty percent premium. Plus the borrow as well too, uh, on the interest. And so once it started to go to shit in in February 2021, it started to blow up a lot of people. David talks about that he actually got out uh, at about negative four percent discount, and he lost about seven hundred thousand dollars. He took a thirty percent hit on his fund, uh, but he was saying that the interest cost was the actual real reason because uh, when the markets crashed, the cost of of stables that or like the cost of capital that they had just completely spiked up. Uh, and th they were just paying mil like some people paying millions of dollars in interest every single month uh, to keep this trade open. And it's, it's what wrecked everybody. And, you know, BlockFi, 3AC, everybody just went to shit uh, and we've paid the price for it. And now we've kind of like come full circle where the Bitcoin ETF has gone live and uh, GPT has been converted into an ETF and now everybody can sell out and that's what they're doing. <laughs> Everybody's unwinding that trade. And that's where we're seeing the, the kind of buy the rumor, sell the news of this, of this Bitcoin run that we've had. Yeah. I was just saying before we came on the, um, so Arkham for better or for worse, I've got a great grayscale, um, dashboard on that. And then literally at market open 40 minutes ago, we had, I think it's around 10, 11 clips of 1000 Bitcoin each. So probably like close to half a bill, probably just a little bit under strength to say straight to Coinbase. Um, so yeah, have you seen that, that nasty wick around 40, 40 minutes ago from now? That's, uh, that's some redemptions going on there for Grayskill. <laughs> and that's the question half is, a bill. They've yeah. got, um, how much more have they got? Twenty six point three billion uh, Bitcoin left. Yeah, and the the funny thing is, like Grayscale, like I think they tried to d deter this by having the highest fees by quite quite a quite quite a long way. And you see, like when people announce the fees, there was kind of a lot of fee battle going on, a lot of revisions going on for the kind of neighboring ETFs. But the, the the question is, and we were just saying before we came on air, is are they jumping ship to go and find better pastures into a different ETF? It could potentially say that, but with how opaque the traditional rails are, we're not going to know this information for the next couple of days. So we can definitely see Grayscale sending Coinbase to sell, but it's going to take some time for the data to actually get published through these um, ETFs to actually see if those were just kind of, if we're net, negative positive neutral and where the actual flows have gone to so it's really frustrating and if anything it's extremely bullish for crypto rails <laughs> we get real-time data and extremely transparent compared to all these shenanigans that are happening so bullish for coinbase yeah definitely <laughs> uh, i mean the, the two trades of this year uh or at least the past year have been to like long GBTC when it was at like a negative 50% discount. And then also to, to buy Coinbase literally any time last year uh, before Q4. I believe Coinbase stock has actually outperformed Bitcoin. I, I think it should. I mean, that's, that's pretty reasonable, right? Like before the ETFs, 
if you're an institutional fund and you want to front run the ETF deployment, like where do you go to deploy capital? And you, you can't buy crypto. So what do you buy? You buy Coinbase, you buy the miners, you buy Marathon, um, MicroStrategy, like everything that has Bitcoin exposure, but isn't Bitcoin. MicroStrategy is also outperformed, hasn't it? ETC. Yeah, it has. Mm. <laughs> um, and I'll be interested to see how MicroStrategy performs like going forward, right? Because unlike uh, the other Bitcoin ETFs, MicroStrategy has no like expense ratios just to hold the uh, just to hold the Bitcoin, right? Does Michael say the best job on the planet? Doesn't he? Doesn't he have it on a? On a doesn't he actually hold it? Hold it in his in his wallet and kind of like walks around with it. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Like six billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, he has like eight ledgers or something like that. <laughs> All good. Good to go, man. I feel me now. Uh, so I, I guess the question for this is like, how long is this unwind going to take? Because Grayscale's definitely going to be in the shitter for a while as everybody unwinds. Um, but it, does that take a quarter or two quarters, you know, six months done, like for people to get out of this trade effectively? Yeah. I think Coinbase are just going to be happy that they're going to be sat taking whatever fees they can from a ridiculous amount of volume that's coming in and also getting paid whatever custody fees that they charge i have absolutely no insight into what that is but like it's like selling into coin selling coin at the minute it's not financial advice or anything but it just seems a tad silly doesn't it <laughs> i think i think coinbase makes uh 0.2 percent on every etf trade that comes through wow yeah and, and wasn't they only like two kind of trusted entities to actually yes um like Jane Street and I can't remember the the other that was granted this, but it's just like, how do you create a competitive market around that when there's been two people allowed, to, uh, two organizations allowed to actually facilitate that? It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So the, the the custodians, so nine of the eleven custodians are with uh, Coinbase. Gemini is the other one, and then one of the ETFs is using self custody solutions. Fair, fair. Yeah, the sailortracker.com is is another great one to follow when Michael Saylor's bull posting. He's actually up, uh, what is it, thirty five point seven six percent, two billion at the minute. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he's eight billion. Oh, oh my gosh, but he's only up thirty percent, right? Thirty five. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I mean, Sailor was just buying the top, right? If you look at his purchases, <laughs> like uh, you know, he was buying a huge amount at the fifty and sixty level and uh, kept on buying. So good for him to DCA in the whole way. <laughs> yeah, but uh, just to, uh, for, on his defense, I remember he started buying at around uh, 10 or 11, something like that, 10 or 11K, when he actually started uh, like putting money in. I think uh, that's, that was really my early days in uh, following the crypto industry. And I remember seeing uh, that uh, this guy, Michael Saylor, bought like $250 million worth of Bitcoin when it was, uh, I think it was uh, before it was 15K. And then, uh, and then uh, like everyone started talking about him. And, and then all the crazy videos of the, there is no second best uh, <laughs> coming out. And okay, that's a bit too much for me. The, that, the latest uh, advertisement where 
there's that guy and the the girl on the bus and he gives her his headphones and it's just Michael so Sarah, good, and he saying there's no what, what is it? Okay. so it's good man so it's, it's like this it, it looks like this really cheesy kind of romance like adverts where this guy and this this guy and this girl like keep like closing <laughs> each other's eyes and they both get on the bus and he, he goes to give her his like his earphones like this to like I don't know listen to it listen to like the song he's listening to and it's just Michael Saylor in her ears just going there is no second best <laughs> <laughs> if you have the link I would like, be able to see it. I can see it I just remember like the, just the go to his profile go to his profile it's there he's got like yeah. a whole lot of them man i remember him like someone did a video of him like when he always uh, used to do the interviews and that amazing wooden boat behind him in his uh, office do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah. like a, an amazing like pizza and then the, someone made like a clip out of it and like made it more exaggerated where he says there is no second best there is no second best there is no second best oh my god Whoever showed him how to use mid-journey needs shooting. <laughs> uh, he does have a new one up. I, I believe this is from the Shawshank Redemption uh, that he's got. Yes. Uh, that was epic. I mean, and it's such a great movie. I mean, that's got to be like one of the top five movies ever made. And Remember there's that scene where, um, where what's his name? lands up locking himself in the PA system room and puts on the record for everyone to listen to. Oh, in the yeah. And, 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 and then it's fucking Michael Saylor telling everyone there is no second best. <laughs> yeah, this one. Yeah. Which one's the best crypto asset? Well, Bitcoin's the best crypto asset. Okay. What's the second best? There is no second best. There's no second best crypto asset. There's a crypto asset. It's called Bitcoin, right? There's no second best, okay? But take all your money, buy Bitcoin. Then take all your time, figure out how to borrow more money to buy more Bitcoin. Then take all your time and figure out what you can sell to buy Bitcoin. And if you absolutely love the thing that you're that you don't want to sell it, go mortgage your house and buy Bitcoin with it. And if you've got a business that you love because your family works for the business that's in your family for 37 years and you can't bear to sell it, mortgage it, finance it, and convert the proceeds into the hardest money on earth, which is Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm going to take my financial um, advisor exams just so I can say stuff like that and not have to put a disclaimer on the end of it. <laughs> by the way, that's, that's the institutional side of our industry. By, by the yeah. Way. yeah. And, we're, and we're the degenerates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> oh my goodness uh so I'm gonna, I uh, I'm gonna have to jump in 12 minutes guys just to give you a heads up i've got an interview as well to do after this all right well let's yeah. talk about larp because that's uh what we're here for today um so i there was a poll that's been going around uh that i saw of people asking like what's the worst thing in crypto uh on like that that we see and uh the first option was podcasting obviously guilty as charged guilty as charged uh the um here i've got it right here so it was in infinity hedge and uh let me bring this up so uh first thing was podcasting uh we also see like ref links undisclosed paid show groups pay groups 
project airdropping points instead of tokens, exit shills, <laughs> sponsored ads, meme coins, and meme coins with fundamentals. Um, we obviously fall into the first category, which only got 11% of the hate. Uh, but when we talk about like paid groups and uh, other undisclosed paid and post shills, uh, that does get a lot of hate. I, and, and you guys are thinking about creating a paid group. Uh, so how do we, how do we LARP in crypto, but escape all the, all the hate? <laughs> Sam, why do you, Sam, you always ask these really good questions. And once again, you've yeah, done I it. keep telling him it, man. Yeah, like, this him. is a good question. Telling him. Um, <laughs> our, so, our, our guest will actually have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't give a politician's answer on this. So No, it's okay, because like I've thought about this as well, too. Like I would like to have a paid group for Flywheel, but it's just so so damn hard, especially when it comes to content, right? Like People just yeah. expect content to be free all the time. And you know, it's, it's, it's such like a low-hanging fruit when it comes to creation, where people digest it, and they're like, okay, I got it. Thanks so much. But then there's like other people like uh, Tika from Palm Beach, who is selling his like $500 a month newsletter where he sends out some like really mid choices to boomers <laughs> to go buy coins up to a certain price. And so like the, there are people that do this, but I think it's like a really fine line of like, how do you deliver actual value back to the community and make it worthwhile? Right? Like how do you, how do you keep the churn rates low and uh, really develop like, a newsletter or some sort of content creation pipeline that really benefits the people that sign up for it. Yeah, so so I like really struggle with this, and for a long time, because you're a good person. That's that's the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> you know? exactly. But I think I think that I think the juice is worth the squeeze in the long run, and it's for a number of reasons. One, we have probably put out over six hundred articles over the past three-ish years which feels like about 400 years and i've aged terribly off the back of it um there's over 250 video productions that we put out whether they podcast explainers whatever the hell um and this is not to be this is not so basically what it is the the meal deal section was something that came around last cycle for me it's more of like a flow of unconscious subconscious thoughts on the market which is just like a telegram channel and since kind of blockmates is now standing on its own two feet and there's like 12 of us working on this now so the teams grew drastically over a very very short period of time um each day we're beginning to look more and more like an actual media company that does a lot of crypto research you wouldn't think it looking at us i know it's, it's hard to believe but um so i've always been of the opinion i think the first time me and jerry ever spoke I said, look, whatever you do, well, whatever we do going forward, 90% has to always be for free. And it has to be as accessible for everyone as physically possible. And that even goes down to how you actually deliver the content. So it's, you're never going to kind of come to any Blockmates article or podcast or shake on church and hear a paraphrase of a project document. It looks like, like I, I see so much stuff that is for free online. Um, and I actually have a fake account that creates threads solely run through ChatGPT. <laughs> so try and spot 
So try and spot the difference, right? So I'm trying to prove a point now, but I'll, once it kind of gains traction, I'll release what it is. Um, so, it's so good. nothing, nothing's going to change from us at all. If anything, there's going to be more stuff just out there for free and different verticals. Um, this is for people who just kind of want to get a little bit of insight into what we're actually doing. Because as much as we are creating content research, podcast newsletter, Telegram bulletin, like we're also very, very, very active in the markets doing all sorts of degenerate shit, but also doing quite well at times as well. Um, and the way I'm looking at it, it's not to be positioned as give us lots of money or you're not getting anything. It's positioned to be, right, we're going to go toe to toe with the Mazaris and the Delphi Digitals of the world. We're going to do it at a better, more like accessible price point for everyone. It's not going to be for everyone. If you want to take this thing seriously, and I think if people really want to kind of dig in over the next couple of years, they can make serious, serious money if they play the cards right. This is what we will be doing. Um, and I think the incumbents in the research space are just not up to scratch anymore. I think they've made their money. I think they're more interested in conferences and kind of seed investing, which is all well and good. Um, but I still think we can deliver the same depth, the same quality and the same quantity of research without making people want to stick pins in their eyes because the research is so boring. <laughs> um, so this is the angle we're taking and it's not to be like, if these guys can do it, we can definitely do it. Um, so that's the kind of angle that we're heading. It's supposed to be a Mazari for degenerates. Um, <laughs> and hopefully it's enjoyable to kind of digest as well. There will be a lot of other stuff off the back of it. So it is a monthly or a quarterly or an annual subscription. And the LARP was a way for us to it's actually, I had way too many beers and came up with a lifetime access to research pass. So that's what LARP stands for. <laughs> and um, that is like, as I said, as the name says on the tin, that's it. That's a lifetime access to, to that subscription side. Um, the beauty of that as well, because it is a 420 collection of these apes that we are yet to, uh, they're actually, if you look at my profile picture, that's, that's kind of a reveal on it. But the amount of projects that we speak to all day, every day, and if they want a cohort of people that will actually battle test their pro pro product or their new products in beta phase, or they want actual users, not people sibling it to death, you've got 420 quite well-to-do, know the way around DeFi who are going to actually do that. We have did a number of, in with alarms actually, we whitelisted a lot of people from the community for their allowance and whitelist. And it's basically a way for us to be to offer those kind of services and products, which we do manually, and it drives Dan insane, uh, up the wall insane. And it's just a way for us to be a little bit lazy and streamline stuff like that. So that, in a nutshell, is what we are doing. But like high level, we want to kind of compete with the Mazaris and the Delphi of the world. And we don't have any external um, investment from outside people. I think that kind of clouds your judgment a little bit. We'll bootstrap it as much as physically possible. There's, as I said, there's 12 of us now. Um, and I think with the amount of stuff that we've put out over the years, there might be a couple of people that might want to dive a little bit deeper. So that's my kind of high level on it. And that's my thought process. And it took me a very long time to come to terms with it. But um, we can't let what's currently established in media. You guys know <laughs> some of the names I might be talking about. But um, if that's the best we can do, then we've done something extremely wrong. 
can you talk about i i did want to ask about like the the channel activity right because like we're, we're on like t twitter video live right now we're also on uh youtube streaming um you know twitter is a great place to get visibility on content and youtube is a great place to i i, I don't know like Wajah and i have been talking about this as well too to be really mid Right when it comes to to content, that's what YouTube likes. Apparently, like you have to produce the most mid, like you know, airdrops are coming sort of thing, and have lots of uh, exclamation points and like, like capitalizations. I, I don't even know, but um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then also, there's also Telegram as well too. So maybe you get, like like when it comes to like channel content strategy as a media company, how do you guys approach that? So. We actually had this conversation yesterday, and because um, in Discord, Jerry's got his kind of stream of consciousness. Dan's got one. I'll eventually get around to doing it. I'm thinking about setting that back up in the next couple of weeks. But what I, what I really don't like, and what I'm trying to prove for this account that I'm going to release in the next couple of months, is creating content for the sake of co creating content. That's like like lowest tier in, in my opinion no actually there's one below that one just creating content for the sake of engagement it's just like what what's the point can you explain the difference Where, yeah because i feel like if people are specifically doing let it me tell you let me tell you how i made a million dollars and i was working in a restaurant and i was wearing a little bra and panties but i still made a million dollars and this is how fuck this is how i did it do you want to know about it read my thread and there we go it's it's because it becomes a game of how how quickly can you hack the algorithm um like look at that guy who built his whole personality around friend tech <laughs> like like he, he spent an absolute fortune on friend tech and the only stuff he was talking about was friend tech right fair enough but when it becomes a game of who can hack the algorithm and who can like get the most reach on like the most stupidest posts on the planet it's just like you're adding absolutely zero value to to your audience where you'd ideally like to get to there is a bit of a creative trade-off in any kind of content art form anything so there's what you want to do and then there's what your audience want you to do the best musicians on the planet do what they want to do and people love them so much they buy into what they do so that's like that's like god tier like content creation flip it on on its head don't get me wrong there's 100 space for creating stuff for an audience but i think like the more a kind of artistic pursuit and stuff that can help you sleep at night and want to make it get up on a morning is channeling and driving into stuff that you are actually personally interested in um and I don't think the people who are just doing it for engagement will have the same power to outlast people and slow and steady wins the race, I think. So there's there's levels to it, there's tiers to it. But I think at the end of the day, if you're going to be consistent, you actually have to enjoy what you're actually doing. And I think that's the kind of trick. And there's yeah, no shortcut. When it comes to like when it comes to musicians and stuff, uh, there's a lot of bands that I like that have these like really incredible like freshman and sophomore albums. But as soon as they start to go on these like big tours <laughs> and you, you're in front of the these crowds, right? You may start playing the songs a little bit differently just because like you're in the live moment and you're playing like every night with like, I don't know, 10,000, 20,000 people. And you can get like immediate reaction. You can go out there and like take a song maybe like change the bridge or like change the drums here and stuff and like really see. And this is why we see like a lot of, of bands like transition to being like the first two albums are like really uh, interesting and then they start becoming these these big stadium bands that are just Kings making 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you play enough on the road that it, it just, uh, it changes your sound just by, by being in that space. And I think like the YouTube algorithm or the Twitter algorithm is, is the same thing, right? You start making content in the beginning, making it for yourself, but then you start integrating analytics and other stuff. And eventually you, you do make changes based on like what's, what's popular and what you get the most out of. Right. Because like at the end of the day, like reach does matter. You know, you do want to keep growing and it does affect the bottom line. Well, the, the, yeah. most, the biggest, the biggest challenge in this whole thing is how do you maintain your edginess, but still keep your audience growing without sacrificing your edginess for the mainstream. Right. So I wish that we had like 10,000 people watching this thing. I mean, there's a big part of me that wishes that. But at the same time, do we have to sacrifice a whole lot of what it is that we are and what it is that we're doing in order to get to that point? I think in many ways you do, you know, and, and it's like, am I prepared to take the trade off? No. Uh, why am I not prepared to take the trade off? I believe that we can get what it is that we're trying to achieve with this whole thing by still being edgy, by still being creative but the most important thing is we need to remain true to who we are as individuals. And I know this sounds like, this sounds so fucking cheesy, but I think it, it is about that. Because as soon as we lose that, people will pick it up and then we'll just become like the rest of these these clowns. You know, like, let's be real. And I think for me, it's like it was what I was saying before, is like just coming back to the LARP and the fact that we want to charge people for a service. What does that actually mean? What it means for us as a responsibility is that if I'm going to charge you $50 for something that I essentially promise to give you, whether you you do anything with it, that's up to you. But my, my mission here is that I want to give you the opportunity to potentially make $500 out of the $50 that, that you give me. I'm not going to guarantee that because that's that's like legal suicide. But that's my intention. My intention and my truth is that that is what we need to be doing right now. So not only to provide 90% content for free, but at the same time to actually allow you guys to come in and look at things a little bit differently. Not the way that all these other motherfuckers want you to look at things, but the way that you need to look at things so that you can go out there and find your mojo. Because every single one of us is going to find a play in this market that's going to make us an obscene amount of money. And it's going to be different. Everyone's got a similar journey, but that one point is going to be yours. And we want to be a part of that. I want to go out of this next cycle and I want to have 10, 20, 30, hopefully... 100, 200 minted millionaires that sat in this freaking thing and actually made money out of this thing. So, yes, we do want to make money. But what makes me get up in the mornings is to actually push the envelope to what other people can do and how they can be better. And I can be better in that process. And we just keep rolling with this thing. And that's the most honest and heartfelt perspective on why I'm doing this at the moment. This is such a great answer, man. You know, uh, like... Uh... It made me even think near the end uh, about uh, one of your podcasts uh, name, the Shitcoin Church, because this is actually <laughs> like church talk. You know? uh, I'm Jewish. I go to the synagogue, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is literally like uh, church. Like, Shitcoin like, synagogue could be a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, I did, never thought of it. Because 
I agree with you so much about uh, everything you've just said in the last uh, like a uh, few minutes, uh, Jedi. There is there is an action like and to go back to Sam's metaphor with the band, like uh, you have to remember like that musician that you were at the beginning and why you actually started making music and what you actually wanted and like uh, how connected you were to the actual process of creating rather than okay what kind of feedback am i getting and and is this uh, feedback uh, being translated to enough money in my uh, accounts or wallets or uh, whatever because uh, it is like uh, when you do it as a mission and you really aspire to achieve something rather than money and you realize that money will be a part of it because uh, the, the, that's how markets work you create value you will find a way to get uh, compensated, especially if you do it uh, long enough. And uh, definitely like uh, ride on on that one, because I really think that good content, responsible content that actually uh, tries uh, driving people forward and actually succeeding uh, is the best connection you, one can create with uh, the audience. And definitely something that uh, is not that simple, easier said than done for sure. Guys, I've got to run. I'm going to go and interview Justin Biebus. I mean, that's got to be the greatest, <laughs> greatest name in crypto. One of the founders of Oath. Um, guys, I love you. Thank you for having us. Leviathan News, you guys I'm are good. fucking legends. Thank you. I'm Thanks good. for coming. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Grant, so uh, are you guys becoming the Kings of Leon then? <laughs> hopefully not hopefully don't chat out sex on fire or some monstrosity <laughs> so um i wanted to i wanted to ask um you know blockmates content is already so good how are you guys planning to like up that to another level where you know you've got something for subscribers as well like uh, it's already at that level where i think you could already pay 50 pounds a month or for it at its current level so what are your plans in, in that regard and like what sort of content uh are you looking at are you looking at kind of releasing yeah so a good question um so a lot of a lot of the content now is kind of like primers on emerging areas um this is kind of like just what's open completely free and as i say always will be a lot of like project deep dives a lot of kind of how to explain as this is how you do this, this is how you do that the meal deal section is going to be primarily focused on a little bit more actionable stuff. So this is what we're looking at. This is why we're looking at it. The tapioca bull case that we mentioned at the beginning of the stream is was like a thesis I written got three or four months ago now. And this is a little bit more actionable. So it's like, this is why I'm taking this trade. This is why I think even leading into it, you probably could, could have shorted Radiant against it. And I think that was a good trade to be had despite Arbitrum wanting to seemingly backstop it all the way, but that's by the by. Um, and it's, as I say, it's how I'm positioned in the market. And I think like a lot of the times it's people want a little bit of insight of how the kind of sausage is made and they want to know what you're up to and they want to know how, why you're up to and like how you actually go about executing on that. So it's a little bit more actionable. There will be even more extensive research reports. So if you keep an eye out on Thursday, there's... Um, a Solana Deepin report, which is about now. I don't like just saying it's got like a shitload of pages for the sake of having a shitload of pages. It's like it's. I think it's a thirty-two page report, but I think there's eleven projects in there. Some you might have heard of. Some you definitely won't have heard of. Um, 
But again, it's just what are we actually looking at internally and where are we kind of thinking that the industry might go and where are we going to kind of place our chips and why won't we place our chips on these specific ones? So it's a lot more actionable stuff. Um, and I think that kind of suits being behind a paywall any, a, a little bit better anyway, to be honest, because you know how kind of um, aggressive people can get <laughs> on, on Twitter if, if you're posting anything that's um, counterintuitive to their own bias. So um it's just a place for for that kind of research that kind of output we brought on 563 DeFi, who's gonna be you know looking after a lot of that stuff that guy is a complete genius um it's a good friend of mine yeah he's he's uh I, I, god knows how we've managed to um pull that one off but <laughs> i'm just waiting yeah, for you him smashed, to it, like. smashed it there <laughs> yeah but uh yeah and that's that's all that's just growing out that side and as i say like as we were saying with Jerry, like all anything we um, get in at the end of the month, if anyone subscribes, <laughs> it's just going to be getting churned in. We want it, as I say, we wanted to get it to kind of Mazari and Delphi levels, and you can only do that by hiring the best and the brightest in the industry. And I suppose you have to kind of be a little bit of a talent spotter as well, because like, one, markets can be more of an incentive for people to kind of turn their focus to. Two, a lot of people have a shit ton of external funding or they charge like 250 grand a month for sponsorship so they can go and pay these kind of good researchers to do it. So, so yeah, it's going to be, as a kind of high level, a lot more actionable um, and a lot more like deeper uh, on the research stuff. Will there be video stuff too? Yep. Everything. The full shebang. Good, good. What did uh, I think? I think the segment is going to be called Round Trippers. <laughs> a little bit close to home because god, yeah. god knows we all do it but uh yeah that's gonna be kind of covering the research that we've done through the week a little bit more community participation if there's any like kind of aspects where people might want to pick our brains on stuff not that where they kind of all seeing all doing all knowing kind of oracle of the space but sometimes it's just good, kind of good to kind of get a second opinion or flesh some ideas out as a kind of collective you know so that's Kind of how we're going to steer that one. Nice. Can you, and can you maybe uh, speak a bit about uh, what led you to uh, choose to do it uh, on the Llama, on the WinLama platform, maybe, and a bit about the connection there? Because I think, like, you know, uh, we all like the Llamas so much on that side uh, of the uh, industry, and everyone is uh, like looking for interesting collabs with them. And I think you found an amazing one to do it, to actually use. Uh, the auction uh, platform, if I understand correctly, that they've created for their own uh, Llama Mint, which was actually amazing. So maybe you can uh, share a bit about uh, what led you to think about them and choose that uh, option and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So we're all incredibly woolish on the Llamas. And they, um, Dan kind of spotted this one very, very early and made sure that we got a podcast done with them. And then off the back of the podcast, because we had like a really great, great chat, they said, look, do you guys want to try and like auction off a couple of whitelist or allow, allow list spots in for the, like the Bokmates community? And I was like, yeah, too right, we do. So there was a, a couple of couple of people in the community that got the kind of, I can't remember, was it like 0.1 mint? Or something, something yeah, like the that? allow list was at uh, 0.1. Man, what a so, great deal. The first one so, minted after that was like two. Yeah, so like that... The whole process and they're just they're they're just a bunch where it's they just give and don't expect anything in return and i think that goes a long way across 
particularly in this industry where a lot of people are just take, 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 take. Um, they're just great guys, you know? And when, and when they kind of released that, it was just like, we were speaking to them, told them what we were up to, kind of told them about if we'd have kind of had the LARP earlier, we could have had like a, a pool to kind of select from with the allow list and whitelist. And that kind of gave us the idea for it. It was just like manually collecting wallets. We got a lot of people who say, can you beta test this? Can you give it to the community? And I was just like, we had like a, a really streamlined way to do this. And then we kind of created the bespoke kind of sign-in wallet connect on, on the site. And then we were just like, well, we were looking around, it was like, I can't build a front end and smart contract to, <laughs> to mint an NFT collection. And I was looking at Mike and he was like, well, I definitely can't do that. And I was like, let's speak to the llamas. <laughs> and again, as I was saying, they're just, they're just great people. Any, like everything they've done for us has been just, you know, these kind of people who are just really high performance and low maintenance. They just get shit done. And like, you ask them for X and they come back with like two X. Like everything yeah. they do is just like incredible. And if anyone is like launching their NFT collection and they don't go through the hassle of the headache of how do you get it to, because everyone knows everyone fucks up an NFT mint, like everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. That that whole go-to-market through their auction was just completely seamless. And the way that they did it was like so perfect. I was just like, we have to use this. And as I say, like I supported those guys till the cows come home you know i'll um back them whatever they do they just great that's amazing and by the way do they do they like earn uh like a small fee uh, from the mint uh, probably yeah they take um i think we agreed on like five percent or something nice that's amazing man to have all that back office uh, stuff uh being taken care of uh, by cool. pros that you rely on it never it never you get done <laughs> And, and and it's also like people you can rely on and trust as well, you know. Like, I agree. I, you know what? That these are not only people; these are anons that you can rely on, and that that's like uh, one of the most amazing things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So when's it uh, when's it going to be live? Yeah, how do we get in? Come on, soon, soon, TM. <laughs> yeah, what about some alpha? I don't want to put it. I don't want to put a specific date on it because you know these things go up, but. I'd say four to six weeks. Six weeks at the at the max end. Okay. Yeah. Not too far away. No pressure, Mike, if you listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe we could talk about Tab Yoga Dow because that was your yeah. recent research report. Um, what exactly was the tapioca bull case that you guys made? And uh, why do you think it's such a powerful narrative coming into this year? Yeah, so so tapioca, I met Matt and the team probably over yeah definitely over a year ago now in the depths of the most horrendous bear market of all time and um the first initial conversation with matt i was just like this guy is like five chess moves ahead of everyone else um and i think everyone on this on this stream now are complete and utter nerds for any form of innovation particularly in the crypto and DeFi space and every time I try to kind of return his serve with something I thought I was being smart on, he just had, like, again, five chess moves ahead. So Tapioca, an uh, omni-chain money market built on top of layer zero. So if you've ever decided that you wanted to deposit into, I don't know, an Aave, an Abracadabra, and then borrow against it, or if you're completely sick of bridging, 
Um, I've missed out countless opportunities on far and wide chains because I really can't be asked to actually just bridge funds over, go and find the text swap. So Tapioca, effectively, they're going to start initially, I think, with native gas tokens on the likes of Ethereum, Optimism, Arbitrum, Avalanche. Uh, could be missing a few there, but you kind of like standard run the middle chains. I think they're going to start with gas tokens initially, um, and then maybe some liquid staking derivatives as well. So maybe like stake teeth. So the kind of user flow, I suppose, would be if I'm on Ethereum, I've got stake teeth, but I want to be on Arbitrum because the latest shit coins just happen on Arbitrum, but I don't want to unwind my stake teeth position. Deposit in tapioca, mint USD zero, the Omni chain OFT stablecoin on Arbitrum, then go play in the shitcoin arena with that. Um, so if you ever used Abracadabra, Abracadabra is a little bit more siloed on it on its own specific chain. So this is tapping into layer zero across your messaging infrastructure to enable kind of this omni-chain um, money market. So that impressed me initially because we're kind of big balls of what's happening at layer zero. And then the way that um, they're actually going to market with the token seriously impressed me. So they released an article... Uh, I want to say 18 months ago called the death of liquidity mining and everyone knows that tokens got uh, projects got really high on ridiculous emissions that um they try to sustain for way too long and we all know what happens to tokens that have really ridiculous emissions that they just converge to zero because you'll get um cereal farm and dumpers just coming in it's happening now in a kind of in a in a different arena with like what's happened with points and stuff like that and they kind of looked at it and they thought, and they thought we're not going to just be a, a geist fork or a, an RV with like a ridiculous shit ton of emissions to try and draw in TVL because the money market runs is only as good as like the TVL that's in its protocol. And I think the word TVL and total value locks is a little bit murky regardless because it's not locked. So they said, well, instead of just giving away tokens for free because people are depositing into our protocol, as soon as those emissions dry up, we're going to be left with one, a shit ton of tokens getting sold into the market, and two, TVL is going to leave and jump onto the next protocol that's incentivized with emissions. So they said, well, there was a thing that Andre Cornu released with uh, KP3R, Keeper Network, a while while back, um, with it kind of looks like a bond or, or it's actually more of an options token. So with Keeper, you could actually redeem. Um, keeper at a 50% discount if you were like doing some some task on, on, on the app. So they said, well, if people deposit into our protocol, what we're going to do, instead of just giving them TAP tokens, we're actually going to give them OTAP. So let's say um, you, Sam, deposit for a year and you can you can choose like a lock time for, you, for your capital. Let's say you deposit safety for a year and um, you deposit a million dollars, right? Let's say I come on come along roughly at the same time, I deposit stake ETH. Um, I do $2 million and I do for two years. So I 2x your, your deposit amount and I 2x the duration of the lock. The protocol's happy for that. So it rewards um, aligned incentives. So your, the emissions that you're going to get and the emissions that I'm going to get, I might receive an options token that has a steeper discount than you. So let's say my my discount on my options token is 50%. Yours might be 30% because I've chosen to lock more capital in for longer. And this is kind of the time-weighted AML. So if you think about Curve, um, where you're locking at an arbitrary amount of time, 
this kind of mechanism of the time-weighted AML is effectively saying, well, what does the market price time at? So if I'm going to lock for two years and $2 million, then tap at that time, that might be like on the extreme end. So I might receive a 50% discount on my tap. You're going to lock for a year and you're going to lock a million dollars. That might be in the upper quartile and you might receive 30%. If people are going to lock for a week and they're going to lock $10, they might receive 1% discount. Um, and every time you exercise this right to exercise the option at a discount, that money is going directly into the treasury for protocol and liquidity and for additional kind of um, whatever they want to do with the treasury that gets voted by for government. So they've created a way that anyone who wants to farm and dump is actually going to be just paying the treasury money. <laughs> um, and it becomes to a point where it doesn't necessarily make sense to exercise um, the right to, to uh, redeem the token if um, the price to actually exercise it drops below the price that you initially quoted for your strike. So it kind of creates this weird strike price mechanism as well, where you're not incentivized to actually redeem additional tap and bring more tap into the market if the price where you'd actually redeem would be lower than the current market price. So there's really there's a lot of dynamics there that happen, and that doesn't even get into USD zeros like CDP um, backed by like a whole variety of assets across different chains. Um, but like high level, what really, really, really just impressed me about the team was just everything that they did from marketing to kind of really kickstarting kind of galaxy campaigns to even like the the promo videos they're doing with Lab Out Like if anything is worth doing for them, they're gonna do it two hundred percent. Like there's no there's nothing that they're just gonna do half assed. Um and as I was saying before, if like if anything, if Tapioga wasn't a thing and I'd met Matt I'd just be like, right, how can I just give you money? Because I just know this team and just, you know, you just kind of meet the people that you just know are going to get shit done. Um, mm. That's kind of what draw me in. And the, the bull thesis was kind of a long shot trade on Radiant because I think Radiant were propped up quite a bit by Arbitrum incentives and lots of weird LP locking dynamics that a lot of people didn't really understand what they were getting themselves into. And they were initially a Geist fork and the emissions on on radiant were just ridiculous so that was kind of both thesis and as i say that's the kind of stuff that's going to be behind in the meal deal just this is what i'm looking at this where i'm going to put the trade on this is why i think it'll work and then what is um what happens if it doesn't play out as intended so that was kind of high level yeah i really like the uh the option model where you get like a, a deep in the money uh call option uh as a as a reward rather than just liquid tokens uh, i think i'm actually seeing quite a few different protocols like in, integrate that i think uh, we've seen dolomite do that recently as well um i know a few others that are doing it and kind of are going yeah. to launch it so yeah it really it's going to be really interesting seeing like how people decide which money market to use are they going to use the ones where they get uh these otap tokens as rewards or are they going to go for the traditional money markets that we have today uh, i think that would be pretty cool to see yeah. Mm -hmm. I also think that uh, this uh, oat, uh, this model of uh, O coins, how do you call it? Like, because it's going to be like, like, like an options. Yeah, no, no, options. But, but I mean, yeah. the, to the token is going to be called like OTAP at the beginning, yeah. right? Like the, the option, uh, like to buy the token, I mean. And also, I have a, a friend who's a dev who's working on a project that I'm definitely really expecting. And he took a lot of inspiration out of that model. By the way, he's, uh, he loves your show. The shit going jump a lot. <laughs> also, also uh, a viewer uh, of uh, Leviathan News. 
And I, I really see like, you know, this model that you've just mentioned with Tapioca has impressed so many people and uh, builders within the space. And I think uh, really, I think we're going to see a lot of new projects uh, embrace that uh, model, at least those who will be able to like digest it and, and wouldn't want like something, you know, uh, like to go the old uh, simple way of like, okay, let's uh, just do an IDO and whatever. But I, I think we're going to see a lot of it. Yeah, I think um, I think they're going to launch twenty fourth of Feb. I think it'll be like an LBP. But if you actually read it, I think I put it in in that thesis as well. But I think they're going to, if you even just by participating in the LBP, there's going to be like a select amount of or tap that they'll just drop to everyone's wallets with, and then you can choose to exercise it if if. Oh, and another, and another small question, by the way, Grant, maybe you'd know. There's also the NFT collection uh, made by Tapioca Dai, the Pearl uh, Club. Uh, maybe you can uh, tell us a bit about that if you're uh, familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. So they, so the, again, this is what I mean by every. There's so many Easter eggs in this whole whole thing. So it's that's an omnichain NFT as well. Depending on what chain you actually have it on, it, it changes color. Like so, there's wow. like all these weird little quirks, and um, even if it takes them like twice as long to do it, they're just like, right, it'll be cool, so we'll just do it. But that um, you can kind of price in what the market is expecting price uh, tap to kind of launch up based on the, the floor price of the Pearl Club NFTs. So they were kind of airdrop just by airdrop for free for people participating in the, in the discord so um and they actually have an ascribed amount of otap assigned to each one of them i want to say it's 700 yeah i think it is i think it's 700 yeah so again everyone who's holding a power club nft at the token generation event is going to be airdropped uh, um 700 otap so i think people are like looking at what the initial tg because it's going to be like an lbp so it's going to i think it dwindles from 352 i want to say and then it's probably like a quarter of that is the expected kind of um end price but obviously it's 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 freely tradable so it could go higher it could go lower yeah um so people are trying to price in based off the, the floor price of these palco nfts like is it going to be worth me purchasing this to exercise my right to purchase 700 tap um, at a uh, 50% yeah. discount. So that's kind of what people are playing playing about with her. And for but the viewers I... watching, uh, they are currently trading at one ETH floor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. they started uh, moving up a few days ago, I think, especially after the announcement, uh, for sure. I, I looked at it uh, yesterday and I was like, oh my God, these are... <laughs> like, you know, it's just it, it like, you know, for me, they are like... Uh, Three and three of those uh, DeFi NFTs that I'm so intrigued by, and really, it, uh, I really think it's a whole new asset class in a way. It, the I first agree. was BBC. I think they kind of invented the whole uh, narrative of uh, like, uh, okay, let's have an NFT that actually has like a huge treasury back in it, and not just uh, okay, that's a cool uh, pick. And I really also think that the the blueberries, the GBCs. Were uh, were crucial uh, with whatever happened with uh, GMX. I think the the cultural element that uh, it's it's added. Uh, I think it was a very important factor with what uh, the success of GMX, at least uh, to my in my perspective. 100%. And then it was the llamas, of course, that did uh, in a way something similar, but because they really wanted to like attract uh, this kind of uh, like uh, uh, a treasury. Uh, but they also want to uh, like 
pay you with the yields uh, directly instead of just growing the uh, value of the asset like with GBC. And now with the uh, Pearl Club, just like you said, uh, it gives you the the option to get the OTAP tokens that you can get. But like, come on, who knows what else these guys uh, have in mind? Because <laughs> who says that that's going to be the only benefit that uh, the Pearl Club uh, is going to have? Like maybe uh, maybe it's going to have some benefits that no one is even uh, thinking about yet, because uh, that's the whole point of these uh, NFTs. They are like instruments of both a uh, clout and uh, like uh, an asset because who knows what some uh, dev is going to code one day that you're going to get because you hold this specific uh, nft and i'm so fascinated by it that uh, honestly another impressive aspect of what uh, tapioca is doing 100 percent. if anyone noticed that recent uh promo video solana is an easter egg on that no. So, <laughs> so I think they're probably waiting for the layer zero integration. And I know layer zero and Solana is probably a bit of a tricky one because of um, jump and wormholes influencing the Solana ecosystem. But if you kind of read between the lines, you can kind of figure out what's going on there. And it'd be interesting to see a, a predominant like CDP on Solana. I know there's, uh, what's the... Hubble, Hubble one, USDH, I think. USDH, yeah. Yeah, but um, I think if you've got something that can attract like omni-chain deposits and you can kind of bridge through layer zero to Solana, I think things get really, really interesting then. Yeah, I love that idea. I think um, that's going to be interesting. One thing that just kind of concerns me is really how how are they going to stop like that liquidity fragmenting when you, if you've got like LP pools on like 10 different chains, um, I don't know, maybe you have an answer for that. Yeah, so um, so what they did, instead of playing the curve game because they thought it might be too expensive to actually bootstrap, I wouldn't count that completely out of the equation because I know they're quite pally with the redacted guys. Um, but they're actually using Arrakis for their kind of peg. It's not a peg stability module. It's just like they're using Univ3 and Arrakis to kind of defend the peg and the sense. initial kind of data that's coming back from that is really impressive obviously you need you'd need um what is it a camino liquidity management on solana you'd need something akin to that um or you'd need a wide range pool on orca or radium's um yeah concentrated liquidity pools you know but um yeah that's that's the kind of that's the angle they chose to go down with arrakis uh, as their kind of on-chain market maker, if, if you will. So yeah. instead of kind of bootstrapping, using Curve and all that kind of good stuff. But we'll see how it plays out. Like, in, like, and same as anything, like the way that you initially think about something and the way that it ends up looking further down the line is like they, they, they couldn't be worlds apart, you know, so. No, so true, so true. Um, yeah, let's see how it turns out. I think it's uh, something I'm pretty excited about. I'm going to be farming it like crazy. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna be feeding that treasury <laughs> <laughs> oh very cool uh i suggest everybody to go read the research report we'll have that in the show notes uh, and you can also find it on blockmates uh, website if you go to their crypto research section um you can also go and read about the meal deal that is coming up soon to be launched in four to six weeks as heard today and uh grant thank you for being here today we learned a lot and it was great to hear about what you're building at blockmates
Um, looking forward to seeing how the meal deal rolls out. And also we'll be uh, furiously reading the tapioca dial bull case about 10 more times after this. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. Um, and what you guys are doing is like seriously impressive and seriously needed. Um, and I know that you guys probably are like me and you feel awkward for asking people to subscribe. So if anyone's listening and they're, they're not subscribed, it does the likes of us a world of favors by just doing it. It shows that people are actually interested in kind of the motivation behind to actually go and do it. So just go and do that, please. Be, well, be thank, thank you so much awesome. for coming again and tell uh, Jedi as well. Honestly, it was a lot of fun. I hope we start doing these like uh, more often because I really oh, think that uh, uh, it like, it allows both us and you guys to like uh, I don't know reflect on the stuff that uh, we're doing like share perspectives and I think also a lot of people in the audience are uh, definitely into it. Uh, really appreciate what you guys do. In the initiative. Leviathan cross cross coin church episode. Let's let's do one of those. Yeah, I actually think that there's a lot of uh, potential in like these uh, like uh, co-broadcasts and stuff like that because uh, I think that people uh, really appreciate the fact that uh, we are, that we allow them to to actually feel like a community, to actually feel mm-hmm. together. There's there's this community and uh, togetherness uh, element that, uh, in my in my opinion, is. Uh, is beyond even the just the content because of course you have to have great content but people also have to feel like uh, they're a part of something and uh, that they're connected uh, like uh, on the human level uh, as well and i think that uh, you guys are absolutely nailing it on all of these uh, fronts and uh, right on really appreciate uh, your time here and you're coming tell jedi as well and uh, see you soon man talk to you soon thanks very much guys appreciate it thank you yeah thank you uh, well, thanks everybody for tuning in today. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we are back in full swing. So uh, make sure to subscribe and follow us and we will have more great discussions tomorrow. Thanks, Grant, for being here. Wajahat, you as well. Defy Advisor, as and always. Uh, thank you for hosting. Yeah. And uh, thanks everybody at home. Bye, yeah. guys. Sign up for Blockmates. <laughs> Go buy a lot of Not financial advice, but do it. <laughs> Do it immediately, but it's not financial advice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys later. Bye, folks.